This is the 150th QuackCast. 150 is an auspicious number. Did you know that it was the first and only year of Heiping of the Chinese Han Dynasty? That makes this a particularly important QuackCast and fitting that the topic is Ebola. This one is called Ebola Scams. Ebola, like all diseases, is an opportunity for some to offer up curious treatments. What follows is a brief budget of Ebola-rated scams, supplements, complementary, and alternative medicine, as well as a few Doug the Dog digressions. Squirrel! Quote, Reality seems valueless by comparison with the dreams of fevered imaginations. Reality is therefore abandoned. Emile Durkheim. Was he a homeopath? In its classic form, as promulgated by Hahnemann, homeopathy is divorced from modern understanding of medical and chemical reality. I can cut Hahnemann a little slack since he came up with his fictions at the end of the 18th century. But I would think that even a modest understanding of chemistry and physiology would suggest that homeopathy is 100% pure bunkum. But homeopaths are nothing if not inventive. Since Hahnemann's time, they have come up with a remarkable number of variations on their nonsense. The motto, you are only limited by your imagination, must have had homeopaths in mind, and they do indeed have fevered imaginations. Who knows what they would have invented if they only had a box. There are, for example, no-sodes, the homeopath's answer to vaccines. Of course, it is an answer that would be wrong on any reality-based exam. No-sodes are the vaccines of the homeopathic world, only without the efficacy. I have discussed no-sodes in the past. But as a refresher, a no-sode is a homeopathic remedy prepared from a pathological specimen. The specimen is taken from a diseased animal or person and may consist of saliva, pus, urine, blood, or diseased tissue. It always reminds me of the old joke. An old guy goes into a doctor's office. The doctor says, I need a sample of blood, stool, urine, semen, and pus. The patient hands him his underwear. Anyway, these are usually diluted to between 30 and 300 C. Up and down. Gone in a Flash was a natural news article on a do-it-yourself homeopathic treatment of Ebola. A reader did save the recipe, and it's still available on the interwebs, and I mention it with the caveat not to try this at home, because it is a typical, worthless, wackaloon homeopathic nostrum attempting to prevent or treat a disease to which it has no efficacy, and it is dangerous to make to boot. To make this Ebola remedy, you need a face mask and gloves, and an Ebola sample, some spit or other disease products, such as blood from a person infected with Ebola or who is suspected sick with it. Any small quantity will do, even a pinhead. Would that include using the author of this remedy? So anyway, what you do is you get your specimen of Ebola, you put it in a bottle, you fill it with water, you hold the bottle and strike it hard against a solid surface, such as a large book, 40 times. Then you pour out all the water, refill the bottle, and repeat that 30 times. Then you have your remedy, which you can take for prevention 
or for treatment of Ebola. You can find the actual written recipe over at Science-Based Medicine. It is the fourth step in the preparation that's the dicey one. I would think that a face mask and gloves would be a bit cavalier for infection control in an Ebola patient, but on par with the understanding of infectious diseases by many pseudo-medical providers. I would not be too worried about the final product. If I were washing dishes at home, I would consider it clean after the third or fourth rinse and shake, although with Ebola I might heat it in the oven for 400 degrees for an hour. You may think that the natural news was scammed, but this is the standard homeopathic approach to no-sewed production. They suggested the same method for this Ebola nostrum, the Corsicovian, that is used to make Ostosilicoxinum, the anti-flu homeopathic nostrum. If you fret that Ebola was being spread as a no-sode, and likely only to the fool who went after the original Ebola-containing spit, consider this list of no-sodes available on the internet. I'm going to mention the more peculiar ones. Cholera, Derum Sanguille, S-A-N-G-U-I-L-L-E, Gonorrhea, Rabies, Measles, Polio, syphilis, smallpox, x-ray, and nuclear radiation. Remember that all these nostrums, and you can find the complete list over at Science-Based Medicine, supposedly start with an aliquot of an original infected tissue. It is the smallpox that has always given me pause. Just what was the original source material? Do they have the smallpox in a forgotten sample in a closet somewhere like the CDC? Are there production facilities rated to handle these pathogens? I would wager no. X-ray and nuclear radiation always gives me a smile. But they are not offering Ebola or HIV. And what I was wondering is Dirum Desanguille, D double apostrophe A-N-G-U-I-L-L-E. It is eel serum. Just how eel serum or an x-ray constitute a no-sode eludes me. There is, however, an HIV no-sode that is available elsewhere. I offer to you, quote, the homeopathic proving of AIDS, the no-sode prepared from the blood of a man diagnosed as having acquired immunodeficiency syndrome who subsequently died of syndrome-related diseases. So if you want, you can take a preparation made from HIV-infected blood, or if you're crazy enough to make it yourself, Ebola-infected blood. If you are not convinced of the total lunacy that is homeopathy, which would probably be treated with homeopathic moonlight, read over the site for the HIV no-sode, and it is from the School of Homeopathy in Devon, England, no less. But the Ebola remedy? Part and parcel of the bizarro world that is homeopathy. But wait, there's more. There are even more creative applications of homeopathy. Like acupuncture, homeopathic variations are remarkable in their number. There are, quote, paper remedies, where the substance and dilution are written on pieces of paper and either pinned to the patient's clothing, put in their pockets, or placed under glasses of water that are then given to the patients, as well as the use of radionics to prepare remedies. Such practices have been strongly criticized by classical homeopaths as 
unfounded, speculative, and verging on magic and superstition. As if classical homeopathy isn't unfounded, speculative, and verging on magic and superstition. Lol. Verging? It leapt in years ago. So pot kettle black. Radionics, by the way, is using radio waves to diagnose and treat diseases. It is pure, if expensive, bunkum. The machines run several thousand dollars. And one machine does evidently have an Ebola setting. You can make homeopathic remedies as radionics, although it doesn't make for nice fingernails, judging from the video. Anything can be turned into a homeopathic nostrum. Quote, in addition, homeopathic remedies can also be made use of non-material sources. For instance, electricity, musical frequencies, magnetic fields, and even moonlight. In fact, the possibilities are infinite. Music? Really? I wonder if a death grips homeopathic nostrum would cure my headache. There is a Nigerian newspaper with the headline, American Doctor Proffers Technology Cure for Ebola. Hmm, what is this wonder cure? Quote, you will just hear white noise as the homeopathic remedy is played in order to stimulate the body to heal itself. That's right, it's sound. They have one sound to be played if exposed to Ebola, and the other if ill for 48 hours with Ebola. The sound is available as an MP3 on the internet from the homeopath who produced it. It is based on science and is described as, quote, it turns out that the electric signal in homeopathic remedies can be extracted via a device consisting of a simple coil connected to an amplifier and digitizer, and the resulting signal can be stored on a computer as a wave or an MP3 file. This technique was developed originally in the 1990s by Jacques Benavisti, a French researcher doing immunology research. He demonstrated this in repeated laboratory experiments. And be careful. Quote, in any case, do not play more than 15 times. Too many doses may stimulate the body too much. It is difficult to know what to make of the producer of this product, as he apparently does not understand parody. And perhaps neither do I. One commenter points out the similarity to FSMO Sophia, a homeopathy-like use of the flying spaghetti monster, where they, quote, speak the healing information into raw globules. We will do this by mentioning the Latin name of the respective mother tincture. I think I am going to concentrate on the second method, the speaking method for the final manufacturing process. To which the author of the MP3 for Ebola replies, Interesting. Depending on the homeopathic training of the one making the sound, this does fit pendulum prescribing and even radionics. Personally, I do trust signals from reputable pharmacies because of their procedures are tried and true for two centuries. Methodological and not dependent on subjectivity of the one creating the frequency. Thank you for your post. So they have been creating quality frequencies since 1814? About 50 to 100 years before radios and phonographs? Impressive. And pendulum prescribing? What is that? Well, it is the use of a pendulum held over a patient, and then you ask a question. And it will move clockwise for yes and counterclockwise for no. Really. It's useful in homeopathic diagnosis and treatment. Quote, 
To find the appropriate remedy, I have made up a list of the most commonly used remedies along with the most common potencies. I have two pages of remedies which cover nearly 80% of the needed remedies. I first ask if there is a homeopathic remedy suitable for that particular case. If yes, and remember that this yes derives from the idiomotor effect of the questioner holding a pendulum over the patient. If yes, then ask if it is on my list. If yes, then the next question, is it on the first page? If no, is it on the second page? If yes, then I ask which letter it starts with, and so on and so on, till he gets the answer by way of the swinging pendulum as to the appropriate homeopathic treatment for his patient. I was shocked, really, to find that this was subjected to a clinical evaluation and even published. I was not surprised to find that the results were negative. Quote, these results, wholly negative, add to doubts whether dousing in this context can yield objective information. You think? And, of course, they threw in the usual caveats so that utilizers of this wackaloon diagnostic continue to have an out and continue to use it. Quote, it is acknowledged that the experimental situation may adversely affect dousing ability, and this may be reflected in the study results. The sample was small, and the absence of proof of effect does not mean that there is no effect. Yes, it does. I also found the following interesting. Andrew Vickers helped develop the original idea for the study. He of acupuncture works for pain fame. I suspect that anyone who thinks that dowsing for diagnosis is worthy of a clinical trial concept of reality than I. I guess they do not want to be outdone by herbalists who have had 365 Ebola deaths. I guess homeopaths went in on the action. Ebola and silver. Don't own an MP3 player or have an internet connection? Don't have a grand or two for a radionics machine? Well, you could try silver nanoparticles. Dr. Rima Lebao of the Natural Solutions Foundation suggests no one needs to die from Ebola and has gone so far as to send an open letter to the heads of Ebola-impacted states and world health leaders on Ebola prevention and treatment. Her treatment? She suggests using, big surprise here, her product of 10 ppm nano silver administered to Ebola victims, contacts and potential contacts. Ebola and other contagious diseases can be eliminated as the deadly scourges that they currently are. This sounds impressive since the recommendation is allegedly based on the Defense Threat Reduction Agency, DTRA, data that was declassified in 2009. Ooh, previously secret information. This must be juicy. Silver, like copper and mercury, does have broad antimicrobial actions. It is an antiseptic. It kills broadly, or deactivates in the case of viruses. I still use antimony to treat leishmaniasis, for example. However, I prefer less toxic therapies than metals if available, and when it comes to silver, I prefer using therapies that actually work. According to Dr. Lebao, quote, 10 ppm was the most effective dose for killing the Ebola virus, which begs the question as to how you kill a virus. Dr. Lebao also says that the, quote, DTRA's research was carried out specifically 
in the Ebola virus as well as on other deadly hemorrhagic viruses. This statement is based on a government report that appears to be a PowerPoint presentation on the use of silver nanoparticles against viruses. As best as I can tell from the slides, which I assume were used as backup for a lecture, which we do not have, they found the following. Silver nanoparticles prevented the binding of Ebola-like particles to Vero cells, but did not prevent the internalization of Ebola-like particles at concentrations between 10 and 50 micrograms per mil. Dr. Labo's site seems to confuse the size of the particle, 10 nanometers, with the concentration, 10 ppm. The study used 10 nanometer particles and larger. The site offers their silver at 10 ppm, parts per million, which is about 10 micrograms per mil. But in the DTRA study, it was the 10 nanometer size that was the most effective, and there was a dose response as it went from 10 to 25 to 50 micrograms per mil. You have to read it carefully to note that Dr. Leibau does not seem to understand that all 10s are not the same. The site suggests 5 cc's, 1 teaspoon, as the dose for Ebola, up to 12 doses a day of a product that the website says is not intended to prevent, treat, or cure any disease. Hmm. 10 ppm is about 10 micrograms per mil. So the patient is taking 50 micrograms. Most people are about 50 liters of water. So if the silver is 100% absorbed and evenly distributed, which never happens, that would be about 50 micrograms per 50,000 mils, or about 0.001 microgram per mil, a wee bit less than the DTAR study by a factor of about hmm, 10,000. And there is nothing about killing Ebola in the DTRA study. It's about binding to cells and uptake into cells. But even more importantly, they did not use Ebola, but Ebola-like particles, which are all the proteins with none of the genome. Virus-like particles have been generated in insect and mammalian cell expression system for a number of viruses, including rotavirus, parvovirus, human papillomavirus, and HIV, by ectopic expression of subsets of their respective viral proteins. These genome-free viral-like particles are often morphologically similar to the live virus from which they are derived and are highly immunogenic. But you can't kill a collection of proteins. The product was being considered for use in Nigeria, whose health minister also can't read. The saddest and most amusing, in a gallows humor kind of way, is that the silver nanoparticles are consistently referred to as an experimental drug, even by the Wall Street Journal. More evidence to suggest that basic fact-checking is a thing of the past for the few remaining newspapers in the United States. Somehow, I would be skeptical of a website that says that chemtrails are part of an aerial spraying program that appears to be a secret government program or series of programs, and says, quote, I have been identifying publicly the toxic threats presented by prescription drugs and medical vaccines for decades, and thinks that shaken babies are due to vaccine injury. 
I would be suspicious that it's unlikely that such a website is going to have a breakthrough experimental treatment for anything, much less Ebola. And of course, someone is suggesting vitamin C for the treatment of Ebola. You can find more about that over at Respectful Insolence. And that ends the 150th QuackCast. The references are available at sciencebasedmedicine.org. You can find links to my growing multimedia empire at edgydoc.com. You can write me glowing reviews on iTunes. My original reviews were all lost by iTunes, something like 200 or so. So all the good ones need to be reproduced, and some of the bad ones as well. My favorite was still the commenter who said, My podcast is bad for the Brian. So if your name is Brian, don't listen to this. Otherwise... Go to the Society for Science-Based Medicine, sfsbm.org, and take a look at the organization that we are trying to build. Talk to you next time. Bye.